Okay, everybody, you are listening to Iron Radio. This is going to be our first shot at trying this thing raw, unedited, non-PG probably in places. So uh, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach with Strength Guild, uh, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. We are, what am I, like five training weeks out, I think, Ooh. from my meet. So I almost died last weekend. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, it was it was weird. So I'm not a big ammonia guy, and uh, I lent out my monolift last week. And so the, my plan was we were supposed to be doing reverse band squats because the base gun just getting used to heavy weight. And but I lent out my monolift for that showdown meet. Oh, we can talk about that too. Uh, and uh, anyways, so that changed my plans for last week. So I was like, okay, well we'll just take a week since we were six weeks out at that point. I'll start getting used to the combo rack because that's what we're going to use in the meet. And I had some new, a bottle of brand new smelling salts uh, from Elite FTS. I was like, ah, whatever, I'll give it a try. And I took a little sniff, and I took 725 and hit it fine. Uh, and then I was doing that again, and oh, my God, I, I took more than a little whiff. <laughs> and, like, it hit me in the lungs and, like, expelled every bit of my air. I'm already wrapped up. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't breathe. I, I just go lean on the bar for a minute. Everybody thinks I'm just going to call it. And I was like, well, I got to go. I'm wrapped. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and I made it. But, oh, my God. it's I don't know how people – I just don't understand the uh, the ammonia lovers out there. You guys are crazy. So I, I already get myself up enough. And my issue was before when I did it, all it did was make me pissed off and cry a bunch. So now I'm like worked up and I can't see, but this one, like, holy crap, it, uh, it was powerful. It went right to my lungs and it's like, oh. yeah, but anyways, go ahead and with your intro. Sorry. I messed oh. this all. All right. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Mike Nelson. Um, I don't really like ammonia. I don't know how people <laughs> use it. It's crazy, but. I have this theory that I think it's the smell tied to a max lift, that it's the more also on the neurology side of if you do that and you keep hitting a max lift, like when you have that scent, it's a reminder that you're going to be successful. But that's a little bit out there. Like it turns ritual. Yes, exactly. We know that smells are very involved into memory recall, stuff like that. So anyway, uh, (laughs) a professor at the Kerrigan Institute, and creator of the Flux Diet Cert and Physiologic Flexibility Cert. And right now I'm teaching for Rocky Mountain University class on athletic readiness. I'm Coach Rell out of Strength Guild in Olathe, call it Kansas City basically. Um, I also don't really get the ammonia, <laughs> <laughs> the ammonia hype. I, honestly, part of it is like I've had people try it and like, like for powerlifting or whatever that I was coaching and like it never did anything for me. Like I never felt like I was going to snatch a heavier weight cause, cause I smell some ammonia, but yeah. I think it's, un, it's not that common in weightlifting. No, it's not a, it's not a big weightlifting thing, but powerlifters that I've almost everyone that I've had who's tried it, it's like either you got to kind of push through it for the first, however long, like, however many weeks, months that you use it, and it kind of just becomes a part of your process, or I don't know. I don't know what the other word is. Like, I don't know what people where, because the first time you use it is awful. 
Oh, horrible. Yeah, yeah like that, it, it yeah. made actually probably messes your lift up more than it helps. Yeah. So I, I've never seen the <laughs> value of various things, but I've coached various, various strength events. I was just at a strongman event last week, uh, Midwest strongest man out in Wichita. Uh, probably should give props to whoever ran that. I'll look that up here soon, but, uh, but mostly weightlifting, uh, on the CrossFit gym for a while. I want to see a bunch of CrossFitters like they need to make that a mandatory part of an event like ammonia for CrossFit in between the run and the swim. You got to like sniff a shitload of ammonia. (laughs) 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 There's there's little stops. You got to come take a big old whiff, but uh, just to see how they can handle it. Have you noticed like lifters who get more amped up? tend to love ammonia more than the lifters who are just very more quiet and more focused. Yeah. That's what I've yeah. noticed. And that's what I'm generally, mine is generally pretty internal and yeah. holy man, it's just, and like, I'm not a big smacker either. Like some no. people like to be smacked and I'm more on like, there's a video of Jesse Burdick out there. One of his training partners had to meet smacked him. He turned around and smacked him back. And ah. like, Fucking stop. And <laughs> I don't want that. Uh. <laughs> But some of my lifters love it, and it's like, I don't – get off me. I'm trying to lift. Quit hitting me. Uh, so, but, yeah, that's the same thing with ammonia. But I figure, hey, I try it, you know, and it's yeah. – the good thing is, is I still hit 725, like, without able to take a breath. I'm like, I'm good. I can – if I can do that after that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on, a, on a regular day, I should be fine. But It's um, like your new distress training. Exactly. You know, it was like adding bands to the lift. It's like, ah. Just add some more resistance here. <laughs> so the Arnold Classic went on this weekend without much to do, but uh, we figured we better hit that up. I was looking at it, and we were just talking about it before we came on. Eleven guys, six of them were brand new. Wow. That's, that's got to be some kind of record. So, like, six of them, it was their debut. But um, My question, towards the, is there some sort of drama going on that is, like, keeping – Regulars out? I don't know. Well, the only thing I can think of is that they just announced it so quickly they weren't ready. Oh, yeah, that that would be my yeah. guess. Is like because nobody knew anything about this. I'm sure, I'm sure these guys had more warning than we did, but it couldn't have been a ton. You wouldn't think. You think they would have promoted it like as soon as they could to get people to show up? Yeah. Uh, so I, that's that would be my guess, and that's just me speculating that it was just like, okay, whoever's ready, come on. <laughs> so, uh, and it went down with, uh, well, the top two were guys making their debut. So, um, what was his name? Walker, Nick Walker Nick. took first. Um, Ian Valeri took second, and I believe it was his debut as well. Yep, and then Steve Cucklow took third. Uh, hmm. They make a nice clip of money, $130,000 for first, for getting up That's there and strutting your stuff. Uh, and then Missy Trescott took the Fitness International for, I think, the second year in a row. So I believe I so. that was a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's really all the news I got on that. I mean, if we can run down the – Classic physique and all that thing. There's a huge money difference. Uh, the Arnold Classic, you earn $130,000 for first for first place in classic physique, seven grand. Uh, 
<laughs> kind of shows you that people want to see the freaks. Um, but and you had something on NAC, Doctor Mike? Yeah. So this has been <coughs> going on for a while. So NAC is N-acetylcysteine. So for old people like us that have been around long enough, you probably remember the introduction of it. I think AST Sports Research was the first time I ever saw it introduced, and that was back in the, man, like early or mid-90s. So the thought process was that it may help enhance uh, muscle. Uh, So NAC is a precursor to glutathione and cysteine, and it can help with uh, immune function. Uh, the research I've seen on muscle building effects hasn't really ever panned out, at least not that I've seen. Um, but there has been some very interesting studies looking at NAC in possibly conjunction with other compounds for helping your immune system. And it's been around for, man, like a long time. I tried to figure out like when was the, the first time it was sold, but I think it was probably like early 90s. It might have even been um, before that. And for whatever reason, the FDA now sent, looks like, seven warning letters to companies uh, for selling it, which is even more odd because of how long it's been around. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you can find hundreds to probably thousands of companies selling NEC right now. Um, yeah, it says one survey said looks like there's more than 1,500 NAC-containing products um, on the market. So why they only sent seven warning letters, I don't know. They usually tend to target like the the bigger players um, per se. So the FDA is saying that uh, NAC should not be considered as a supplement, and that's kind of all they said. They said according to Section 201FF3B blah, 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 Hmm. that it should be treated as a different, quote, article than an orally taken dietary supplement. So, yeah, usually what this, and I haven't seen any safety <coughs> issues with it, at least none that I could find. I mean, obviously anything in the high enough dose, you know, potentially may have some issues. You drink too much, you know, friggin' water in a row and it can kill you too. So mm-hmm. I can't really figure out why the FDA is going after NAC other than that reason. Um, there's been a couple of warning, or I should say, uh, citizens have filed petitions to the FDA, which is good, um, saying that basically, hey, what are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as soon as anyone found out about it, like sales of NAC, like just completely disappeared. Like it's mm-hmm. still um, pretty hard to find. If you go down some of the conspiracy routes people are like oh it's because it's possibly helping your immune system and that could help with covid and drug companies want to make it a drug now and i don't know maybe there's some uh, truth to that i would imagine that if you can't sell it as a dietary supplement then that opens the door for uh, any pharmaceutical company to potentially sell it as a drug i would guess i don't know how that works with uh, patents and everything else because the the whole point of um, Deshay, right, so the ruling in the early 90s uh, Dietary Health and Supplement Education Act said that if it is found in nature, that you can sell it as a dietary supplement and that it's actually on the FDA to show that it is unsafe. 
Now, there's a whole bunch of different things that have changed since then from you know, have to declare something called an NDI, new dietary ingredient, and a bunch of other regulations. But, yeah, NEC has been around for so long. The first time I heard this, I was like, what? No, mm-hmm. that's just some crazy-ass rumor. What the hell, you know? Yeah. Um, but it appears I, to be true. And I haven't even heard of any, uh, like, usually you hear a story or something that sparks right. some sort of, but I haven't heard any any stories or no. anything that would. Yeah, that's what was weird, too, is, like, I couldn't find anything that says it, it started it, right? We can go back in time to, we're old enough to remember the ephedrine um, craze. And, you know, a lot of that was sort of started by a couple <clears throat> athletes and military people who unfortunately died. Later, it was highly debatable if ephedrine was involved in it or not. Um, some of them were probably just cases of really bad heat stroke and dehydration. Maybe ephedrine played a role in that. It's hard to say, but the amounts that were found in the talk screen would suggest that it was probably a minor role if it was. Um, the NIH did a study even on ephedra. The lead author was a guy named Boozer, and they were trying to use that study, I think, to ban ephedra, and they did it in uh, people who were slightly overweight. And what they found with the study was that yeah, blood pressure went up a little bit, heart rate went up a little bit, but other than that, for I think it was an 8- or 12-week study, it was pretty safe. Yep. So like, oh, crap, well, we can't use that study now. <laughs> but obviously, as everybody knows, ephedra uh, was eventually banned, or ephedrine. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems odd, and I can't figure out what it is. Because even, you know, NAC is a common amino acid, so it's found in foods that we eat all the time. You know, onions and garlic are, contains high amounts of NAC. So it's not something you could argue with some of the, like, you know, meth-like pre-workout things, you know, geranium extract, et cetera, uh, that are not found in the food chain. Uh, it turns out, like what was sold in Jack 3D, yeah, that was a complete debacle. Mm-hmm. The short version of that is that the company, uh, which actually was indicted for it, so it is public knowledge, uh, asked the supplier in uh, China to label them as geranium extract, and it really wasn't. It was all synthetically mm-hmm. derived. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. You guys have any thoughts? I don't know, man. It's, it goes in <laughs> and out. They ban so much shit now. But we were talking about this the other day. I mean, you look across, like as an NCAA athlete, like you're limited on even how much caffeine you get. So, I mean, it's not surprising, but, uh, why? Like you're saying, it's hard to understand why on this. Like, I don't see the competitive advantage. I don't see the, you know, <laughs> Uh, the health, like, it's not killing people. Um, why besides money? It would be. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, of that, that's it. So, Conspiracy crazy person, uh, but just, obviously that is a big factor. Yeah. I mean, so. I just pulled up an article and it suggests that anything that's, that's suggested, suggested to intend that it improves what, what is what they describe as baseline health, right? I.e., the immune system is subject to drug, uh, basically a drug label instead of a supplement label. So it sounds so, like kind of has to do with the like turning it into more of a a pharmaceutical drug. Then that's yeah, what because that's the only that. way 
because unless there's a catalyst, usually that's what there is. Like there's a catalyst, some sort of catal, you know, that you have somebody die from, and there's mm-hmm. and there's like a culprit that they want to, like a, a boogeyman they want to put it on. So I I think I probably would have saw something. I mean, within the last you know five ten years where NAC was an issue, but I really haven't. I mean, I haven't seen anything where it's like, oh, NAC was critical in this person's yes, no demise or whatever. Um, and most of the time, you know, it's multi-level factors that like it's a whole bunch of different stuff. And they're like, oh, well, this is one thing and they want to hang it on that. But it doesn't really feel like there's anything going on with NAC. And so it's weird to even like bring it up. I, I would assume if that's what the, what the process is, it does have something to do with kind of the, the COVID stuff and like kind of cracking down on. Out, you know, out of the or outside of treatments, I guess I would say, like more supplemental treatments than yeah. uh, mainstream. I don't know what you say, pharmaceutical treatments. Yeah, and and most of the time, what they'll do then is they'll just go after you for making a, a claim, right? Oh. So you you can't claim that oh NAC will help cure COVID, right? Yes. I mean, obviously yes. claims are all reserved for, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. So normally you'll get a warning letter that mm-hmm. says, hey, you idiots, you you can't claim that or you don't have the right documentation. It's not written correctly, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I agree with you. It just it seems weird to pull it and say that it's the basis of the entire ingredient, not necessarily the claims you're making about it, are invalid. So Yeah. So, yeah, that's weird. I mean, yeah. Like the ephedrine thing made sense on a certain level, you know. There's dumb people. Yeah, that, I'm gonna take 15 of these. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but but I mean, if it's one of those cases where it's anything that boosts the immune system and stuff, what's next? Vitamin D, vitamin C. You know, are we gonna have to get prescribed that? Like, yeah, vitamin C is if, the docket off and on over the years. I don't know how far it's ever gotten, but um, in other countries, high dose vitamin C uh, is considered a drug. So there was some pushback, I think, a couple of years ago to remove vitamin C or to have it limited to such a crazy small dose, like 25 milligrams or something, something like that. Um, and the last quick point, too, related uh, sort of to this is uh, CBD. So mm-hmm. CBD is cannabidiol. It's the non-psychoactive uh, cannabinoid found in cannabis, marijuana. Uh, the FDA, uh, so two companies, Charlotte's Web, and which I've done some work with, and Irvine Naturals, uh, submitted something called an NDI. So NDI is for a new dietary ingredient, uh, notification for their full spectrum hemp extracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, as of, uh, about a month and a half ago, the FDA objected to their notifications on the ground stating that this is a drug exclusion clause and the agency is concerned about safety substantiation, which gets even more confusing because there is a drug that's basically a full-spectrum ex- extract or just CBD itself, uh, which is sold by GW Pharmaceutical, known as Epidiolex. That's been approved by the FDA for quite some time. Uh, the reason CBD is approved is because under the Department of Agriculture, since it is extracted from hemp and the THC content is less than 0.03%, it's legal to sell CBD as long as it's a full extract uh, as a dietary supplement. 
Um, but that's kind of, again, gone back and forth. And so it's weird that I can see the FDA rejecting the NDI. Um, I don't agree with it, but I, I guess that kind of sort of makes sense. Um, but again, that is conflicting with the Department of Agriculture. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're saying that the CBD um, isolate I could see could be in danger. So they do have a CBD isolate that's CBD only, uh, which in basically is the same as Epidiolex, but they're saying that the full extract um, they basically don't like. Yeah. And one of the things they cited was potential concerns about safety which is even more weird because you have a drug that is pure CBD that has been approved for a long time. But I don't know if you're saying some of the other compounds in there or what um, make it an issue or not. So this has been going back and forth for a long time. So we'll see what ends up yeah. going on with it. My biggest fear with that is that 99.9% of CBD manufacturers are complete dog shit and will do nothing to fight it nor do they even apply for an NDI right so you've got bigger companies who are spending the money to do a high quality product or spending the money to try to do everything as legal as they can and they're the ones who are incurring most of the cost Mm -hmm. and then you've got people that are like oh I bought some CBD for five dollars and didn't do shit it's like well I don't even know what they put in that bottle yeah yeah Yeah. oh it's just welcome to supplement world Yep. Uh, I mentioned it before the show, uh, or at the beginning of the show, that I, I lent out my monolift. We had the, the 2021 showdown meet was this last weekend in, uh, Kansas City. Nice. And there were lots of new world records broken. Uh, one of the interesting ones, Christy Hawkins came out. What'd she break? She broke the squat record, the deadlift record, and the total. She's a 70 kilo, 75 kilo lifter, so 165 pounds. Squatted 578. Woo! <laughs> Benched. At 165? In sleeves. Uh, yeah. So, squatted 578, benched 325. Deadlifted 606 on her second. And you watch the video, and she completely ruptured her bicep halfway up. Oh! Uh, finished the lift, and, like, didn't know she did it. Uh, didn't know she blew her bicep and she was talking to uh, one of the guys that runs the meet like what should I call on my third and he's like you totally tore your bicep off yeah. <laughs> you know? he's probably hold off on that yeah. Um, but uh, yeah anyway she knew 1509 pound total at 165 holy crap uh, yeah, that's a big one man and then uh, I assume it was her hand that was up on a mixed grip yeah, yeah, and then John Hack came out and had a hell of a day. Uh, he's been killing it, but he just kind of put himself in a class of his own. Uh, he broke the all-time world records in total for sure, but he ended up beating two weight classes above him at the same time. Uh, he got a wow. twenty-two oh five total in the ninety kilo class. Ninety kilo? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah, he squatted uh, 738.5, benched 580, uh-huh. deadlifted 887.3 for a 2205.7 total. Uh, what the hell? Yeah, so he moved ahead of Belkin by his two weight classes up from him, I think, uh, by 28 kilos. 
and uh, ahead of John Browner or Jamal Browner by uh, just a small margin, like a half kilo. But uh, still, kind of put himself in a that's that's a huge total, and you're talking it's under 200 pounds, like 198, right? Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't have a bad lift. You know, he doesn't have anything that's like, well, I mean, I guess the deadlift when you're talking almost 900 pounds at 198, but, but I mean, yeah, that's so horrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but I know, no, I mean, that's a really I know what you mean. deadlift, but, uh, but I mean, his squat 738.5 in sleeves at fucking 198 and a 580 bench. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, uh, pretty yeah, good. Especially have all three that high. Yeah, exactly. Usually you see guys that have one huge lift. Right. Um, or two that are good and their bench sucks, you know. Yeah, something. whatever. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, so that was huge. And then a new all time world record for all weight classes, women's deadlift by right. camera of Walcott, 636. Yeah, six, I saw that one. Oof. Wow. So, yeah, you're talking, that's, that's big. And of course, I'm, people. It looked pretty smooth too, honestly. I, I they did. It, it didn't look and like. She's a, Conventional polar too, which is mm. impressive. But yeah. I'm not saying that sumo isn't, but a lot of the women, especially lifting Most big, full sumo. Yeah. sumo, yeah. And she's no freaking slack on her other lifts either. Five eighty four deadlift or five eighty four squat, three sixty three bench. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I think uh, God, there were several more. Um, I think um, what's his name. Oh crap. Uh Joe Sullivan I think hit a new squat record and a couple other people. But it was a day full of two days full of just big huge lifts. So hmm. but I mean that was a that was a big big meet. So it's nice to see monoliths being used. I was talking to several people that about that. I still don't understand in powerlifting why we just don't use monoliths at all meets. It even walk it out. Uh, you can walk it out of a monolift. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Even walk it out just for the fact that you can have safety straps. Yeah. Um, that's what I don't get. It's just, you know, because when something goes wrong with seven, eight, nine hundred pounds on a squat, it is usually you have a fraction of a second to respond. Yeah. And normally they don't respond in time. You know, no. if you can just have those straps. Just that alone makes me think, it's like, why? Why are we even, because I walk out of our monolift. Like, we don't use the monolift as a monolift much. We walk out, but we get the safety straps. And they're basically there to, you know, they're not going to save me from the injury. They're going to save my life. Yeah. <laughs> so 800 yeah, pounds. Landing and land squashing on, you like a bug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's a different argument for a different day. But uh Anyways. What else we got like going on? Sideways, like the one poor guy on, like, say, your left side. Let's like, say you start dumping it to your left. Yeah. Got 700 pounds on it. Is he really going to catch that? Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and how I mean, spotters, spotters don't matter, especially so, because once you get to the, we'll say, what, sevens, it's mm-hmm. multiple spotters on each side. Yes. Yeah. And every time you add a person to the mix, it's like the communication becomes important, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it becomes more of a problem. Like you can't have one side take it quicker than another side. That becomes issue. Like, right. yep. yeah, I I agree. There's a lot of issues with that. I mean, I would suggest the powerlifting comp where you guys have to miss like weightlifters, but you know, whatever. 
Just bail? Yeah, just oh, bail. Straight shit. up. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just gotta get out of there. Oh, oh my. I want to see somebody do that with like a thousand. Just like, whoop, pop it off their back. And just, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> There's a hole in the floor. Um, holy shit. Um, that'd be interesting. But, uh, now what else we got going on? Anything else in the news? Mm. Interesting going on. Weightlifting world, anything happening? Uh, I mean, Junior Pan Ams is coming up here pretty quick, so there's still some like I'm I'm off on because the way they did worlds and stuff this year is so like technically they had 2020 worlds this year, mm-hmm. and so everything like for me the calendar's all messed up. I'm I'm not yeah. connected with how it is yet, but I do know Junior Pan Ams is coming up. Um, in the next few weeks, so and we'll have a few, you know, athletes there where we're actually taking medals now. So, um, pretty consistently, at least at the junior and youth level, like yeah. we're getting pretty much every time we get, you know, on Better. the podium. And this is kind of brand new with a lot of this stuff. So, I know Morgan McCullough. He's always kind of he's the, I mean, fast. I mean, I think he was. So at 15, so at 15 he was doing uh, 190 clean and jerk, I think, 15, 16. And he's been moving up quickly since then, so he's been getting pretty good. So we have a lot of talent up and coming for sure, especially on the women's side as well. So That's good for USA weightlifting because for a long time there they were, we've talked about it before, they were yeah. way too focused on this quad and not focused on four or five quads out. <laughs> They were always like, well, who, who gives us our chance today? And it's like, yeah. man, you gotta, we gotta start thinking a little broader, guys, <laughs> if we want to actually win. But, yeah, and even for the athletes, it takes a lot to, like, the appeal of weightlifting has to be more than the total. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just be the total for the U.S. Like, you gotta, I mean, there's other stuff that, like, I mean, you gotta have a little bit of a fan base. You know, you gotta work the social media a little bit. That kind of stuff helps mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. You're saying you don't make a ton of money doing this. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this: so, so with weightlifting, if you're on that international stuff, there you can get stipends that aren't that bad. Like, there are opportunities in weightlifting. There's a lot more opportunities for scholarships now in weightlifting. So there are opportunities within weightlifting now that aren't kind of spoken of. But if you want to, you know, it's just a Really, just our market, so it's not like a state-sponsored thing with a lot of other yeah. other countries. Whereas yeah. here, like you're gonna have to do it on your own. You're gonna have to do some self-promotion. You're yeah. kind of like a little business or a little brand, a little bit. So, you know, I do understand how it's it's tough on that. Like, the, there's a couple of girls that I I in the area. They're in Lawrence, and it's I mean, it's pretty much just that. Like, they find time to train in between classes, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not like they don't have huge media followings, social media followings, or anything like that. And it's, it's just different. It's a whole different game. So, yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to talk about uh, the differences between training at home versus training at, you know, a, a facility, a gym like Minor Drills. So, that's what you were talking about, Drill. What you got? You said you had an article on that, I think. No, no article. I just oh. uh, people asked a question this week about what the actual differences are or how to succeed at home at the very least. 
um, versus in the gym. Because there's a lot of stuff that happens in our facility, like, mm-hmm. just automatically. Like, when you walk in the door, like, there's a mindset shift. There's, like, you know, there's a vibe, a culture to the gym. So it's you can kind of lean on that for, I wouldn't say motivation, but you can kind of lean on that as far as, you know, training. Yeah. It, like, makes it more enjoyable experience. But when you train at home, a place where you normally, like, relax and chill and your couch is only uh, so far away, <laughs> it's, real, it's yeah. real easy to just pass on training or to not really train that hard or, like, skip sets and all that stuff, which is very common. I, I see it a lot is. of people who, like, I could post my programming out online for free and the people here will still get far better results than people at home normally. There are, yes. there are a few exceptions, but normally that's the case. Yeah, and the weird um, thing is, is you always see the same argument for both. Like yeah. the argument to train at home is, well, now I don't have an excuse because I don't have to get ready. I don't have to pack my shit. I don't have to drive across town. I don't have to. But then the argument against is, like you just said, it's 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 almost harder to get off your couch and go to the garage than it is to get off your couch, pack your shit, drive to the gym because you know there's 14 people that are going to talk shit on you if you don't show up. <laughs> you know, there's nobody in your garage that's going to be like, hey, fucker, you didn't show. We're worried. <laughs> you know, your oh, dog doesn't, doesn't care. You know, your dog does not care at all that you didn't go out no. into your spots. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's benefits to both. I think it takes a special person to to train alone at home. Like, who was it, the, the weightlifter? Uh, Kono, like, trained alone in his basement, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. yeah, that was a rumor I heard. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it takes a special person to do that. I mean, I trained alone for a long time, but I can tell you now, like, I wouldn't want to go back. You know, if you have a good group of people that you train with, it can, it just pushes everybody up for sure. Uh, the atmosphere and the camaraderie and stuff. I had always suggested to people who were training in the garage, like so a lot of times I would get CrossFit people who wanted to train in the garage and like it's just easier buying the equipment and stuff about thinking of it more as like a co-op, just like get a couple, you know, like-minded people somehow in there. Now I get you end up becoming like kind of a coach at that point mm-hmm. and it, it ruins your sessions a little bit, but just having like a little neighborhood garage gym, like, Oh, let's come, like come in, let's train. I think, like, that is an easy solution. I'd suggest that to somebody, like, yo, get a partner, like, a training person to, like, come with you. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I will say, finding a good training partner, probably, <laughs> like, that's tough, too. Like, just yeah. just from scratch, like, somebody who's not in the same culture already. Yeah. Like, and I've seen that happen. I think it's, so there's some, a couple from CrossFit Lee Summit, a couple dudes from CrossFit Lee Summit, who... They started training in the garage, and they just started training in the garage together, which, like, that would that would make sense. But, like, training solo or, like, just walking down there and you have, like, I think of, you know, the 50 rep days with you, Phil, or, like, mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, I mean, 35 is probably good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's easy to, to call it. Um, yeah. Because there's times I want to call it. You know, I'm just, and but my training partners are like, no, bro, you got two more sets. Step the fuck up. You know, it's time to go. You got to meet in six weeks. Uh, there are also some like some un like some unthought about costs of like having stuff at your, especially I mean for weightlifting or CrossFit type stuff where you're dropping your bar. Mm-hmm. And so, 
one of our friends, like Joe Hamlin, he's been training on his own, like in his garage for a long time. And initially, you know, he's like, you're dropping these big weights and it's like, you're cracking the foundation mm-hmm. and like you are, there's other issues that you got to be careful with. Yeah. That you have to think about. And like he had to, like his costs increase, obviously, if the foundation becomes a real problem, then that's, yeah. the, that's a heavy cost. But yeah, you have to buy, he bought, uh, some of those like foam pads and stuff mm-hmm. to like drop weights. Now, powerlifting, I don't know, it would be as big an issue. I think you can just, you know, the rubber mm-hmm. mats is probably fine. Yeah. There's a lot of garages that just aren't high enough, like for snatch or cleans. Yeah, there are. Snatches a lot of that. Jerks. Yep. Where you have to go in, make sure your plates are in between the boards. Otherwise. Yeah. That's what we had going on at the beginning. You know, we had one spot in the garage here. When I was mm-hmm. still in the garage, but that's yeah, the clean jerk and snatch area. And you <laughs> your head, you know, you best, you know, and you were literally in between them. There's a two by four right in the middle of the bar, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, no. And with weightlifting, man, that's what a tough one because yeah. I mean, it's one of those sports where there's so much going on. It's you damn near need eyes on you. If you want to be good at it, unless yeah. you're Tommy Tono, which most people aren't, um, you just need eyes on you every day. You know, you can hit some sessions, but man, it's it's different. So yeah, you can do it alone. You can do weightlifting alone, but it you know, obviously helps with eyes on. Yeah. But you like the video thing. Like I never, I never ended up thinking because you're already out of the training session by the time you get the yeah. feedback. And so it becomes very tough to like fix. Like you have to spend so much more time on your own, like really trying to fix it. Then if you're in the gym, like it, it takes so much longer than at the gym getting feedback on multiple lifts in a row. Yeah, right away, instant one, feedback. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So weightlifting, because of the split second action of it, like powerlifting, I think lends itself more to it because it's a little bit slower. Yeah, I agree. But. Yeah, for sure. And strongman, I mean, who even knows about strongman? Like, you would have to, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could stick to a lot of basics. I've kind of found that with, like, just training the the one guy I have now. Like, you can kind of, you know, like a trap bar, you know, some sandbags and stuff like that. Like, you can kind of get away with that because it covers so much ground. Yes. And you have to, like, find places to go train once in a while to, like, try stuff out. Like, mm-hmm. that, that still would help. Like, go train with people sometimes. Like, yes. You're training at home, but still go, like, hey, I want to do a session here. And, like, go get a session with a yep. coach. Yep. You know, take your time to do that kind of stuff. But I don't think enough people do that anyways in anything. No. Uh, just go to a different place for a day. <laughs> you know, you've been with this coach for six years. It's okay to spend a day over there and maybe they'll see something because us as coaches you do get blind to like the same lifter like oh that's just their shit after a while you just forget and it's like that's just how they move and well maybe not you know uh so when i did my strongman just a novice meet many years ago for the heavier ish type of lifts, especially for like axle clean and press, where I knew I was going to be dropping stuff and I had bumpers on it. I just, I'm lucky I live at the end of, uh, basically the road dead end. So I just drug everything out in the middle of the street, <laughs> which, which worked. Cause I always got super nervous. Like my ceiling in the garage will 
just clear by an inch. And then I'm like thinking, okay, if I have to ditch this behind me, I'm going to be putting walls in the hole and see, you know, there's going to be holes. There's going to be, plus I don't want stuff to bounce back and hit me. And yeah. So for some of the stuff, uh, any overhead stuff, especially since I was so new to it, I just, I was lucky I had a place I could just go outside and do it. Yeah. I mean, I have a guy who does, he does some stuff at home, like just some basic strength and conditioning and, I think one thing, because he still stays in contact with the the crew he was training with, they still talk every now and again. He was supposed to row a 2K, like that was something he was going to do. And uh that was months ago, and I don't think yeah. collectively a 2K has happened since then. So <laughs> it's just like one of those things. I mean, you spend all this money on a rower, and you stare at it. You're like, you know, it's good where it's at, you know. I don't want to mess it up. It's just too easy not to. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those weirdos that trains by myself 99% of the time in my garage and I like it because of the convenience and I've had a couple of training partners over the years but for training partners I don't I was always the one motivating them mm-hmm. it just got old yeah. you know which obviously means it's probably not the right training partner you know yeah. we had I had a couple that were good you know that would show up and that were consistent and that was like kind of all I asked I had a couple over the years that were that were good, uh, but I had many that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, here's the schedule, here's the time, here's about what we're doing on this day, and it would never fail that they would have to change the time or they'd want to do a different lift, and then I'm coaching them through it, and so then the session is like twice as long, and yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of times it was just a pain. You know, it's like if you're just like a one-off, you just want to come and lift and hang out, eh, that's cool, I, you know, whatever, no worries. But if it's something that you want to do continually, I don't know. It just got tired for me being the person. It just was a lot more monkey motion to to hassle than it was a benefit. Uh, I think that's across the board, man. Like, it's so tough. Just the idea of, like, I want to train. Like, I enjoy training. Yeah. And so people who come into your training space and, like, you know, it's common, I would say, in kind of the – CrossFit sphere, it's like complaining about workouts and complaining about the training is so, I guess, common. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, for us, that, like, especially if you coach and you spend all day with it, it's like, that sucks in your session. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Like, yeah, okay. But let's just make a change and, like, train hard. Like, like, I just enjoy that. And I've had a few that really just enjoy training hard. Yeah. But it's so few and far between. It is. People who just like just the aspect of training, not anything that comes with it. Not like I'm here because I, you know, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Kind of attitude, like, <laughs> like it's that part. I think is that's the common thing that's hard to find. And so if you're in your garage, I could just I would definitely assume that that's the case with training partners who come in. And it's just like for you or for this crowd, it's like a very, you're very passionate about, yeah. you know, training. There should be like, you know, like dating apps where you swipe left, swipe right. You should have that <laughs> training for training partners. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's tough. That That is the hard part about training partners is like a good one can be just worth of weight in gold. Oh, totally. But a bad one is exactly the opposite, yeah. you know, and it's hard to find a good one. Um, and those yeah, and then, are tough. Yeah, they are tough. Well, and imagine, like everybody talks about, the government needs to mandate exercise. Imagine yeah. if all of a sudden we had 
375 million people that we had to coach that didn't <laughs> want to be there. That right. would suck so much. Oh, my God. We're dealing with 500 people a day that just hate it. Oh, and there's nothing more than I hate than that. Like, I've just quit working with people that don't want to be there. It's like, get out. I don't want you. You know, I don't need you. You know, your money is not worth me having to (laughs) motivate you. I would probably go out on the limb and say that that's the hardest part of coaching. Oh, yeah. And, like, coaching at a level where you're, you know, essentially profitable and, like, doing well and you have enough people and all that. Yeah. It's like – you know, there's there's a certain level of it that I I won't accept. Like I just don't do that anymore. But it's like such a common, and even just the idea of complaining is just such a common, like it, it puts you in the culture so much. Like, what do people do at like, you know, the teachers' break rooms? They're complaining about something or kids or whatever. Like, just the idea of it, it like connects you to other people and all that. But mm-hmm. man, it makes the training session suck. Yeah. You just got this training succubus that just comes in and steals the <laughs> life out of you. You know, it's like, oh, just go away. Uh, but. Yeah, I do find if people do have access to some equipment at home and they can't find a good training partner, I do think, and obviously I coach a lot of people online, I think where online can be very useful in some of those situations. I mean, again, I'm pretty lucky. I only work with people that are highly motivated and mm-hmm. You know, you can figure that out pretty fast by just charging them more money, too. We're <laughs> more motivated. You know, if you're doing like $100 a month, then you're going to have to deal with a lot of shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's nice because then they have a little bit of external motivation of, hey, you know, we had this thing down for you to do and you didn't do it. Like, what's going on? Um, yeah. I don't think it's as good as in person, but, you know, a lot of times those people just don't have access to in person, they can't find a decent training partner. It's a lot of times it's time. You know, they may only have like three hours during the week to train and they're at different times. They do shift work. Um, so I think in those situations, it can be useful. You can still get some videos. You can still get some feedback. And then I, for a lot of people, I think it eliminates the biggest excuse of, well, I don't really know if I, this is the best thing to do or not. And then you start. Thinking that in your own head and you're like screwed mm-hmm. for starters, yeah. you know, so to have like a, you know, professional of any kind write you a legitimate program, you know, you can eliminate a lot of the reasons why you may not do it. And then if you didn't do it, then you have to be held accountable for that too. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it comes right down, like you said, the, the accountability on that aspect. And that's different training yeah. at home versus having a online coach at home. That's like with me. If I write myself a program, I can easily scratch shit off there. Like, yeah, never mind. I was wrong. I don't want to do that. I have Windler write me some shit. I'm going to fucking do it because I know he's going to be like, dude, you fucking suck. Why didn't you do that shit? Yeah. Or I'm going to have to lie to him, and I'm not going to lie to him. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely uh, – I would suggest that. If you're going to train at home, get somebody external to to write your program potentially. But I think almost everybody should do that anyways. Uh it's we're our own worst enemy as far as training goes. Even coaches, it's like like I will, I would just squat and deadlift every day, you know, and that's all I would do because I yeah. like it. And uh, I know I need to do other shit, you know. And somebody also tell me that, and I'll, I, it's easy for me to be like, yeah, it's awesome. We're just gonna fucking, I'm gonna do that three days a week, and we're good. Uh, but yeah, and I think the yeah. flip side of that too is what I find is it's. 
sometimes harder to find the balance of, okay, here are my goals. So I always have to review this for myself. You know, here's my goals. Okay, the things I'm doing, like on a weekly basis, are they lining up to get me closer to my goals? If they're not, then I either need to do the things or I need to change my goals and be okay with changing my goals and realize I'm doing something different. Like I can't just do it the other way. And there's a fine line between, oh, you know, I had planned to do this. I had written this out. And am I being just kind of lazy and it doesn't feel good and I don't want to do it? Like, I've never wanted to do a 2K or a 500 meter. Like, I don't remember the last time I wanted to even basically get on a rower. But if that's part of my goals, then that's part of the thing you have to do versus, oh, wow, I was doing this lift and I've tried everything to get it to feel better and it just... It's just not there today, so I'm going to do something else instead. And I think that can be a really fine line, too. And if I find that I'm constantly changing something, you know, then you have to kind of investigate what's going on. And, you know, and I'm lucky I can ask other coaches and send videos to other people and get external feedback at that point, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that was a good day. What do you guys yeah. planned? I gotta go, uh, it's my anniversary, so I got that going oh, on. Oh, happy anniversary. And, uh, I'm gonna go, go squat. And Big anniversary yeah. plans? Uh, squat. Squat. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're old. We're old and been married and, yeah, no. We'll go out to dinner and that's about there you it. Go. It's usual life. It's just like birthdays. We yeah. just, yeah. And me and my wife are just, like, if, if we want something, we don't wait for a birthday. We yeah. just, Get it, babe. You want it? Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we'll celebrate. Have a good time. Take it easy. Go out to dinner. Squat. Yeah. That's about good. It. So, All right, guys. And then right. let us know how you enjoy the uh, first unedited, uncut show. We will be back with you next week. And if you guys ever have anything you want us to talk about, just shoot it to us via email or on the Facebook group or whatever, and we'll get back to you. Sweet. All right. See you guys.